0: rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. A uh, very uh, special podcast today we got one of the fastest movers in our community, uh, Brian Waters, who's going to come on, kind of tell people about his story. Um, And then I love Brian's story, because what you're going to hear is a guy who just takes a radical amount of action. He says he's going to do something, he commits to it, and he makes it happen. So uh, Brian, why don't you say hi to the uh, podcast listeners?
2: Hey, everyone. Um, Yeah, first off, Jimmy, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm super privileged and honored to be to be part of this podcast today, um, and I also want to take a second, real quick, to to say thank you to Brad and to Ryan, to Christy, to and most importantly, most importantly, to all the members of the cash flow community. Without all you guys, definitely this wouldn't be even a, even a dream for me. So, um, yeah, so I'll just introduce myself and talk a little bit about uh, who I am and kind of give a little bit of background. So, um, I'll start that off. So, my name is Brian Waters. Uh, born and raised in Huntington Beach, California. Um, I'm married to Yvonne, who's my wife. We met when we were 14 years old.
1: Oh, I and didn't know that, that. You married your yeah. junior high yeah. sweetheart? Not just well, high school, but... Well, to
2: be honest, I tried to uh, to date her, but she wasn't having me in high school. So it wasn't until after college that we kind of reconnected. But it's nice. All our friends are all the same people. And She
1: we've... made you wait for after college?
2: Yeah. I during really college. myself. I had to better myself and be a better man, you know. So I gotcha. I don't blame her. I honestly. Okay. Don't. Um, so yeah, we have two amazing nine-year-old twin boys, uh, Leighton and Pierce. Uh, currently, I am a a uh, a fire captain for Los Angeles County Fire Department. In my opinion, one of the best departments in the country. I'm lucky to to work with some amazing men and women there.
1: Recently promoted captain, right?
2: Recently promoted, uh, just this year, and that was definitely one of my yearly goals. Uh, we have a family-owned e-bike business in Huntington Beach called Cali Bikes, and most importantly, I would say, uh, you know, the relevance to this podcast is that uh, been been a real estate investor for the past couple of years, but just hit my stride really in the past year or so.
1: Absolutely. Um, you want to start there as far as how fast you're moving, and you want would you like to kind of start how you got into this whole game?
2: Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about my career path because it has a little bit of relevance to it. So uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know about me, but uh, I grew up with a mom who was a flight attendant for United. And uh, so I always loved traveling. I loved uh, airplanes. And that's all I ever wanted to do as a kid. So when I turned 18, I got my pilot's license and I became a flight instructor. And uh, shortly after that, I uh, took my wife to Hawaii for vacation. And I came back and said, I'm moving to Hawaii. Do you want to move with me? And sure enough, we, a month later, we sold all our stuff and ended up on uh on the island of oahu with no job and no place to stay and just a dream and so and how old um, were
1: you at this point
2: this this was my young 20s so i'd say about 23. okay so is this one of those cool things you could do before you have kids and um yeah that, that was kind of the the uh, the beginning of brian taking action and certain things you know i decided i wanted to move everyone's like you're crazy and my thought was, hey, if it doesn't work out, guess what? I'll just get on a plane and come home. No big deal, right? right. So I um, ended up getting a job as a medevac pilot over there, flying trauma patients around the island. And that was probably one of the coolest jobs I've ever had. So um, that that was amazing. Spent a few years there. And at that point, I wanted to continue my aviation career. So I got a job uh, flying commercial jets for the airlines. So I go from Hawaii to Chicago in the middle middle of the winter when I didn't even realize you know how cold it could possibly be so and so
1: your home base was your home base was in yeah. Chicago
2: yeah, home base is in Chicago I was commuting back and forth from LA to Chicago tried to get Yvonne to move there but she was like no thank you because you know the I would be flying, yeah I'll be flying all over the country it's winter and she's a California girl and I and I don't blame her so um really the reason I'm discussing this is because there's a couple big jumps in my life from California to Hawaii to Chicago. And, you know, I finally get the dream job of my life. And what I realized is that I'm spending the night in a hotel by myself. I'm lonely. It's kind of a a lonely world. You know, it, it seems pretty glamorous, but the one thing that was missing was, was my friends and my family and my wife. And so a couple years into that job, um, they, the airlines, this was right around 2008, the airlines were doing really bad. So they decided to give, they said, we're either going to give you time off or you could take it. So I took that opportunity to kind of come up with plan B. And so my plan B was to come back for a year and work on an ambulance, making $8 an hour uh, and and try to get hired as a fireman. So I did that. And it was pretty humbling flying jets one day, the next day, you're, you're, uh, you're dealing with, you know, um, just some, some different type of stuff medically with patients and whatnot. But I, I, what I found is I really loved it. I loved being home and I loved the, the, uh, the ability to help people. So I ended up getting a job with, uh, luckily I got a job with LA County and I had to walk into my chief pilot's office and just hand him my, my, uh, wings and he was just blown away because most people just don't quit a job like that. Um, but for me, the most important thing was to be with my family. So, uh, you know, I'm super grateful I made that decision. Again, it was another big leap of faith back the other direction. But, uh, but you know, I'm super grateful that I did it. And, you know, uh, 12 years later, I'm a captain at, at a L.A. County Fire Department and just so, super grateful for that.
1: Now, uh, the, the twins were not born when you made this call, right? Correct.
2: Twins were not born. But what I saw was that a lot of uh, – there's that was gone a lot, you know, and I, I could tell. Yeah. it was Fucking my wife and and marriage is is really important to me, and being around my family. So that became what a lot of us in this. And was
1: there when when you went from a pilot salary, to you know, to the high cost living in California, to eight making eight bucks an hour? Was there a certain amount of anxiety? Were you nervous? Like
2: oh, tons. But the little parts <laughs> when this could be a whole different different podcast. But a lot of people don't realize the entry level pilot uh, pay is pretty low. And so, um, like, you know, my wife was supporting me a lot while I was, uh, having to pay for a second place in Chicago and, and, uh, yeah. So yeah, tons of anxiety because number one, I didn't know if I'd make it through the academy. I'm 33 at this point And I'm like, if I get hurt, like I have no career. I'm just, now I'm just, so were, you,
1: were you like the oldest guy in your class? There was a,
2: a few people older, but I mean, a lot of the guys get hired in their, in the twenties, they're a little bit more physically fit, but. When you have that ultimatum there is no failure right so like right. for me it was like i'm this is what i'm doing my family depends on me but it really it all comes down to what we discuss is like the why like why? like your why at the end of the day was i'm giving up this amazing career that i've always dreamed of to come back and be with my why and i knew i wanted to have a family and so i didn't care the consequences the why was more important and you know i think we could both agree that that's why we do a lot of the stuff we do, whether it's investing or, or, or the careers we choose. So.
1: Absolutely. No, but I, I love that story. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. So that, that's just a little, just a little bit about like Brian and how I got to where I'm at, but, um, you know, this is obviously a podcast, a little bit more about real estate stuff so I can kind of share my journey. And, um, it's, it's somewhat unique. Um, so, I, Jimmy, did you, I think did you grow up with a dad that was a coach or uh, a teacher or something? I remember yeah, he
1: he started uh, teaching, but then like me and my brother could really put away some food. So, being a teacher at a Catholic high school wasn't paying the bills. So he went into uh, flooring sales, but he okay. always uh, we it was he. I definitely could tell I had a history teacher and a coach at, at the house. If that so he coached all our little league and yeah. all that stuff.
2: Yeah. So I feel like we have a similar ba- background in that. So I grew up um, blessed to have an amazing mom and dad. But my dad was a, um, a, a high school teacher and he was a college football coach and a, coll- a high school football coach for like 30 years. Oh, nice. He coached me in little league football and all that. And the reason I'm saying that is because what he kind of instilled in me at a young age was like, work hard. No one's going to like, no one's going to do anything for you. Like, you have to be accountable for your actions. And um, so, you know, I admire my dad a lot. He's still my best friend. And the one thing that he did early in his career, he didn't make a ton of money. But one thing he did smart was he started uh, investing in some real estate properties, right? So and
1: this is what, California in the 80s? Yeah, this is California
2: in the late 70s, early 80s, where like, I think their first house they bought was like 75 grand.
1: So he so did like a... Did, did he, I mean, did he have a hunch it was going to blow up the way it was going to blow up or
2: no, he just, he, he just old school. Like he wanted to be in charge of his money and he wanted, he, he wanted to, to, you know, I, th- I think at, even at that point he knew that it was a pretty smart thing. He knew that his teacher's salary probably wasn't going to be something to create this generational wealth for, for our family. So, yeah. So I grew up around that and I didn't really understand it. I just know that he would go, I would go with him to collect rents and I would do stuff and he'd, uh back then they didn't even have power tools really. Like I'd go over there with a screwdriver and unscrew like 20 cabinets. it'd take me like 12 hours because, you know, and I, and I was like, I hate this. This, this sucks, you know, but um, hey, that's good
1: training. You realize that's not what you wanted to do.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I grew up around that. And, um, and when I was in my young twenties, I, I knew I wanted to stay around, uh, orange County, but it just seemed it seemed like it'd be a pretty expensive place to live. I didn't really understand how to do it, but his, his stance was like, let's get you into a primary residence because that is like your golden ticket for later. So, yep. so what we did, um, unbeknownst to me, me and him literally went and started knocking on doors. I didn't even know what wholesaling was. I didn't know what that meant. So but you were
1: do- you were door knocking for the first house.
2: I was door knocking for the first house for my primary. We found a really nice, um, dude,
1: I, your dad's awesome.
2: Dude, he's, you Jimmy you'd love him he is the best like i, I hang out i hang out with him I see him five times a week he's the best so so he but everything for for us is a lesson it's a lesson that he's trying to teach us um and make sure that we understand how it works that way and we have to earn these things right so yeah that, that's the coach in him and that's the teacher in him and so that's the dad he was and i am grateful for that but so we we went to this really nice neighborhood in Huntington, started knocking on doors and uh, we came across this place that is the typical kind of run down. The grass was long and all that. And uh, we knocked on the door. This nice old lady answered, and we said, "Hey, you ever thought about selling your house?" And she said, "Yeah, actually I have." And so I was like, "Okay, what does that mean? Where do we do? What do we do now?" So uh, we we made an offer off market to her, which she accepted with the stipulation that she wanted to rent back for a year. She was going to okay. move to Las Vegas.
1: And so were you going was, to like every house or were you just going to the houses that had some distress? We we were going to like every house on
2: the street. We had a particular neighborhood we really liked. It has a nice okay. street, um uh, then like we'd known we had, we'd known some of the neighbors in the area. So yeah, we rented back to her and I just continued renting um at that point uh with some friends, and then I moved in and I was like, man, this is expensive. I don't ha- make a lot of money, so Again, by accident, I didn't know what house hacking was, but I got a bunch of roommates to move in. Nice they helped me cover the mortgage, so I'm, I'm like making all these mistakes at a young age. Not even yeah. mistakes; I don't call them mistakes. I'm making wins, but I don't know that I'm winning. I just know that it seems like a good thing to do, right? Yeah. So um, we have a. I have a bunch of roommates. It's a blast. We have a good time, and you know, later on, end up uh, with my wife Yvonne, and and she moves in. And again, we're just like, we can't afford this. So we have more roommates. So it wasn't until the time that she was about two months ready to give birth to my twin boys that we finally were like, we need to grow up and actually build a baby room and not have roommates. Like, gotcha. both, yeah, right? yeah. So we, uh, we did that and, um, you know, the rest is history as far as the primary residence went, but this was, uh, right around, oh gosh, I would say when the rates were really low, like uh, 2020, right? A little bit before COVID hit,
0: yeah, we,
2: we were able to refinance at a super, super low rate and pull a bunch of money out and just sit on it. And again, this is kind of coaching from my dad, coaching from and some of the, how,
1: how long had you owned the house? Probably about 10 years.
2: Um, I think it was around 15 at that year. So we had quite a bit of equity. I mean, the sky, the prices skyrocketed in, yeah. in and so we pulled out a bunch, we'd refinance for 2.625 and we just were like, we're sitting on this money. And, and I, I wanted to emulate kind of the stuff my dad was doing, but looking around Orange County, California, for those of you who know, I might as well just hand you a a pile of money and say, here, live in my house. It was, it was daunting. I'm like, there's no way we're going to be able to afford a house in Huntington Beach.
1: So when you talk to your, yeah, when you talk to your dad about like, Hey, I want to build up some rentals like you did. How many rentals did your dad get up to, by the way?
2: Um, Well, so he has he ended up getting a triplex and another single family. So he kind of stopped, but yeah. he's old school. He manages them still to this day. And he, uh, he goes and literally will throw hammers and mow lawns and stuff. He just, yeah. that generation of, of people just did things different. Not that they're wrong, yeah, but they, they were a little bit, they want more hands-on.
1: Right. So, so when uh, you, you're like, Hey dad, I, I want to build up a rental portfolio like you, but I don't see how you could do it in California. What did he say?
2: Well, he really suggested that I look around. I keep looking, you know, just just kind of get creative and make up some stuff. So what we end up doing is um, another friend. that's kind of ironic, but my my real estate um, friend around here, his name is Jimmy. Also, so I think there's something with Jimmy's. You know, they're they're just good guys. I really.
0: Yeah. That.
2: Yeah. So so Jimmy, um, we started kind of opening up the the net around further out. Uh, I didn't want to pay for someone to live in the house. Uh, I knew that California had a pretty good appreciation game. So we ended up uh, finding another firefighter, actually. And this was like, let me back up a little bit. This was 2021 now. So COVID, we're pretty deep in the COVID world. Prices around here,
1: there was people bidding. Were you you guys still going to work in COVID? What was it like being a California firefighter?
2: As a firefighter during covid
1: yeah, there, there's no day. off. Yeah, you guys—they didn't shut you down, right?
2: We we worked more, Jimmy,
1: because okay, everybody because was of, home doing dumb things.
2: Yeah, there's just there's more sick people and stuff, and you know I'm blessed to have that job. the The, the stability of of being in that job, like it was, it was a crazy year for the fire department, truthfully. Um, gotcha. But, but blessed to have been able to work, right? Um, yeah. So, um, so what we did is we found another firefighter who was just about ready to retire. His son was a freshman in high school. And so he wanted to sell his house and he wanted to go buy a property in South Carolina. Um, he was kind of fed up with the whole COVID deal around here. So, so we, we bought another house off market down in uh, Marietta. Marietta is kind of borders Temecula. And for those of you who know this area, it's right around wine country. There's a bunch of wineries. It's a real pretty area. Um, and, uh, but again, he wanted to rent the house back for three years. So for me, I was perfect. I was like, "Great, this guy has pride of ownership. He's a fireman. He's takes care of the house. His kid's going to be there for three years. I don't have to pay him to live there." I'm like, "This, like, real estate's <laughs> rent. I keep this is I love all <laughs> and this. So, right?
1: did his rent cover the mortgage? Yeah, it,
2: it literally was like break even. Perfect. It was perfect. And this guy was such a good tenant. But it allowed yes.
1: him to liquidate the house, right? Uh, he put a chunk of cash in his pocket.
2: Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay, ready. cool. Yeah. So he went and took that money and, and put it down on a place in South Carolina where he was planning on moving. So, um, and then I rented back to him. He literally would ask me, Hey, do you mind if I paint the wall behind the water heater so it matches? And I'm like, Yeah, great. Thanks. You know, he was great. The best tenant I've ever had.
1: Truly. Is he still there?
2: No. So that this is where the, the stuff starts not going wrong, but starts.
1: You start finding you enter the road of trials,
2: right? I, I realized that these things I've been doing have been going so well. Eventually, there's something going to happen, right? And Yeah. So he decides that COVID's a little bit too much for him and the family. He needs to retire, and he just pulls the plug right around year one. Um, okay. But again, the, these are these are issues that we have in this investment world, and um, it's all how you handle them and how you deal with the adversity. And so we literally went in there, a bunch of us did some quick painting, fix it up. He, he kept it so nice that it was, it was really pretty easy to turn it over. Eight days later, I found a, a tenant. So I was only out of a tenant for eight days because I just went after tenants like all over the place and have this awesome family now living there and that's been for a few years, so. Nice. Yeah, and I'm like, let's rent and repeat this. This is, real estate's easy, I love this stuff. Then I'm looking around California again and I'm just like, the landlord rights are rough, the taxes are high. I don't have enough capital just to, to get going again. And, um, we're talking to a couple of friends of ours, you know, I want to give a shout out to, uh, Chris and Christy Copa. They, they go, Hey, check out this group. This is a group called cashflow tactics. We've been kind of watching what they're doing and they had bought a bunch of out-of-state property.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So enters into my life, the, these three crazy guys on the internet. And I don't know if you know them, but, uh, you know, the guy named Brad Ryan and obviously you, Jimmy. So yeah, um, Yeah. So at that point, I was like, I need help. I just need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to form a team. I need to form some knowledge, and I just entered the cash flow tactics community, and I was blown away. I, I I was a little like not sure about it at first because there's so many things out there on the internet and online that are gimmicky and whatnot. But I was like, hey, I have nothing to lose here. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help, and um yeah literally i'm just just want to give this a compliment to you and your team like you guys have changed the trajectory of my life for sure in my family's life and for any doubters out there like obviously you know me and what i've been doing lately i i tell everyone i probably annoy everyone every day about cash flow tactics and jimmy vreeland and my team and what i'm doing and and part of it's just because i believe in what it is and it's helped me so much that i like going want to go to the rooftop and just shout Cause I I want, I'm a fireman. I want to help people, but I also want to help people financially
1: too. So you've been a, yeah, you've been a great cash flow tactics evangelist. And and thank you. You know, thanks for that feedback does that's awesome because sometimes when you're in the mix, all you uh, you know, here is the, the bad stuff. So it's nice to hear the, Hey, what you guys are doing is making a difference.
2: Yeah, it truly has, you know, and um, you know, I'm a believer that if you like one thing that was, a big help for me this year is, is really in increasing my financial IQ, right? There's, uh, I love the term, I use it all the time. I kind of stole it from you, Jimmy, but like the poopy pants, I think it's hilarious when you say that, but the gist of what you're saying is, yeah, there's going to be problems. There's going to, it's, this is not, uh, I don't want to disguise real estate as an easy process. It's not, there's a lot to it. You have to know a lot, you have to learn a lot. But when you start increasing your financial IQ and reading books, like all these books back there, my wife would laugh at me. I, I didn't read a book ever. Like she right? reads Yeah, and I, I literally read every day. Like every day, that's all I do. Um, and, uh, you know, joining a mastermind and the people in the Cashflow Tactics community are just like the cream of the crop. Nicest, smartest people. It's weird to be in a business where people want to give back and help. because A lot of businesses are like, it's me versus you but that is not the the case you know
1: yeah i don't think you won't find that in most masterminds like people do want to like give and then you know they feel good when they're giving
2: yeah it's amazing and so i kind of took the stance like once i joined the group that hey i want to be you know the the, they say you're you're the average of the five people you're around the most so i wanted to be like i looked at you jimmy and i was like man I'd really like what this guy is to say. I want to be in the room with Jimmy. There's a bunch of other people I wanted to be in the room with. And I started asking questions, posting stuff, making uh, connections and phone calls outside of our just normal calls and just really trying to learn as much as I could. Um, and um, so, yeah, that that financial IQ is such a big thing. And, um, and the one thing if I could back up a little bit is when I became a rookie firefighter, they, they have these financial advisors that come to you and they kind of hand you this package and they say, Hey, sign on the dot. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm signing. I look down the list. I'm like, Ooh, that one's high. That's, that's like 7%. Oh, I'll do it. Right. Dumped all, So at month, so every month for 10 years, I'm just dumping cash into this, this uh, 401k deferred comp. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And so Uh, you know, Elon Musk would tweet something and they would dive bomb and someone would say something on this and it's all over the place. And the kind of stuff I've learned from you guys is, you know, that's obviously speculation. Yeah. So, so by joining this group and learning that stuff, I wanted to take more control. Um, And so, um, what would you say,
1: what was uh, the best book you read as far as to increase your financial IQ? uh,
2: The best one I read, I mean, I've had so many good ones, but I would say who not how was probably uh probably a, a game changer for me. I believe it's Benjamin Hardy that wrote
1: that. Yeah, Ben Hardy and, and Dan Sullivan.
2: Yeah, that book was amazing. And and really what I learned from it is you don't you don't have to be you don't have to know everything, right? You you I don't want to knock on doors ever again. I did it once, obviously I told you that story. I don't want to throw hammers and build stuff. I don't want to to uh talk to tenants in the middle of the night and deal with toilets. Um, I don't want to do a lot of stuff. And not only do I not want to, but I'm probably not very good at a lot of those things. Right. So the who, not how is when you find those people that are very good at that, that, and you bring them in as part of your team. And so part of that's having a mentor like you, Jamie, and and there's times where I'm probably annoying you by texting you at 10 o'clock at night, asking you questions, but you're, you're so many steps ahead of me that I'm using you as, as uh, a crutch in my business to move my business further.
1: Right. Well, not uh, a crutch, a lever.
2: Yeah. A lever. Right. And, and that goes the same thing. Like, um, you know, we're talking about out of state rental properties. I don't have the ability to go change a toilet at two in the morning when I'm on the beach in, in Cabo with my family, but right. guess what? I know someone and I'm willing to pay the professionals to do that. So in that who not how the my who became cash flow tactics it became you Brad and Ryan as mentors it became the members of that community it became the lenders it became um, you know uh, my CPA it became my uh, banker it became all those people my property managers you name it I have a whole plethora of list of these professionals that are good at what they do. And once you get those who's in your life, like the sky is the limit because now you don't know how, you don't have to know the, the, uh, the, um, how to do it. you have the who to, to do it for you. So, yeah.
1: And just, you know, the, the way you've been able to grow so fast the last couple of years, like I'd say like part of your unique ability, another Dan Sullivan term is that you're able to build teams together. You know, my team enjoys working with you. I enjoy working with you. So you're, you know, you're easy and fun to work with, which is. I, if someone came to me like, Hey, how do I start building wealth? I'd be like, be easy and fun to work with.
2: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's feelings are definitely mutual on that. Um, yeah. So that book was, 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 uh, was absolutely amazing. And this year alone, I was able to, to learn the process and understand how to buy out of state property, which seems very daunting. Right. And, and uh, I was able to buy uh, six different rental properties this year alone, which is, to me, I'm still I'm still thinking about that daily. I'm like, how was I able to accomplish this? But-
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, that's in 2023, You and then how many were conventional turnkeys and how many were creative? So three of them
2: were conventional turnkeys, which I highly advise for someone doing their first deal out of state. I really think if you get the right team for that, the process is so simple. It literally is- You hand them money, they hand you keys, and then they start handing you money back. So it's as simple as that. Um, Thus the phrase turnkey. Thus the phrase turnkey, right. Um, And again, it gets back to everyone who would say, isn't that risky? And I go, what was risky for me was sending money through my paycheck every month to something that I didn't know about, right? And now I know down to the dollar um, what's coming in and out of my bank account and kind of how things are going. So I'm way more in control, and I love that.
1: Um, Let, can we, can we dive into that question real quick? Cause sure. this is where I've just been too, here's what, I, you know, when you sell something for too long, then it, it, you know, you lose a little bit of being, uh, right on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I own a lot of single family rentals. It's just like, I don't understand what the, I, the, the risk I see is the aggravation, but as far as monetary loss, I don't. I don't necessarily see it. And then I know, I'm a, you know, it's like I'm pitching my own product here. But what I, I and then now we've gone through a few uh, economic cycles since we started cash tax last five years. But like when the market has goes down or goes up, like I have no desire to watch CNBC. And like, that's my favorite thing about rentals, to be dead honest. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you think the perception is of the risk? And then what do you think the actual risk is?
2: Well, I can tell you, I because I talk about this with a lot of people, and I don't try to get into arguments, but naturally, people co- are coming to me now and asking me, "Hey, Brian, what it, what are you doing?" You know, we see you, um, we see you doing podcasts, and we see you on social media, and we see you at uh, meetups and part of these groups. Like, what what is it that you're doing? And so then when I start talking to them about investing in real estate uh, out of the state you get the the typical answers like, oh my gosh, that's so risky. Interest rates are high. Um, You know, what if this, what if that? And it gets back to like, you have to financially educate yourself and understand what you're risking. And yeah, sure, there is some risk in anything you do, but it's how you mitigate those risks. Like have two, three, four exit plans. Have um, contingency money because it's not if, it's when something's going to happen with your property. Um, Have good teams in place to mitigate those risks. Um, but you are a little bit more in control of those risks and being a firefighter, uh, we are control freaks. We like, you know, we like to control situations and,
0: but you, you
1: you're also professional risk mitigators. Yeah. We, And you know, I want to give a compliment
2: to those I work around these amazing men and women. We get, we get a call that comes out. We don't know what it's going to be and we get there and we have to solve it. It could be, it'll blow your mind.
1: Some of the stuff that we do, but, but like, you're, you're, your least risky day is if fire didn't exist and houses don't burn up, but that we don't live in a world where, so you guys, every time you put on the uniform, you accept, Hey, I'm accepting some form of risk and I can't eliminate that risk, but now my job is to mitigate it.
2: Right. And so I'm not the expert at everything by any means, but guess what? I'm surrounded by uh, these men and women that are very talented. And so the way we run our organization is, Everyone has a say in what we do and we utilize those resources around it, around us, excuse me, to, to solve any problems. So I'll ask the f- three or four or five people I'm working with that day. If you see something, say something, let's solve this as a crew and a team and that really correlates back into the business world. And so back to the, the original question, I think that there's just a lot of misinformed people about the risks associated with real estate. Um, and so I'm kind of on a, you know, a mission myself to, to, to talk to a lot of these younger firemen and talk to some family and friends about other options and kind of why, you know, I think once you could start proving to them what you're doing. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm super happy to be on here because I'm kind of literally two years ago, I didn't have, you know, 2021, I had didn't have any real estate investment. Now I'm up at seven and 2024 is going to be crazy. I can't wait. I'm going to just just fire through just so much stuff. But the thing is like, you got to learn how to do it and you have to take action. You have to take action. You will make mistakes. You will get knocked down, get up, use that as tuition. And yeah, like, so just educating yourself. That's what those those people need to do. But I've been able to see that these risks aren't that risky. And, you know, especially learning from people like you and the others that are have been doing it. I'm learning from your mistakes and from my own and pushing through those.
1: And then I think that's also the power of the mastermind is everybody is able to share kind of the mistakes and the wins that they've had. And then it's always easier to learn from somebody else's mistakes than your own.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, like one thing we, the, we open up every mastermind with the wins, but sometimes the more important thing is when people talk about their losses and we don't, I wouldn't even call them losses. They're, they're just speed bumps. Right. And and those, like you said, they're most important. And in the the world of firefighting, we have something called the after action report. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with that from being Yeah, in
1: we did it all the time yeah. in the rangers. And
2: I do that in I do that in everything in my life now. So what that is is you get together and everyone talks about how the event went and whether whether it's changing out of the toilet or putting out a fire. And everyone gets to speak openly and candidly about what they did good and what they did bad in hopes that we're all gonna learn from each other. And that is super powerful. It's one of the most powerful tools that we have. And I use that in my businesses as well.
1: Awesome. So, you we talked about you did three conventional turnkeys. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about some of the creative stuff you, you've been up to.
2: Yeah. So, the very first creative one that I did was um, what they refer to in the industry as a tired landlord. This yep. landlord um, had bought a property for, um, the year before he had a couple of problems. He had a tenant move out and then his, uh, his, uh, HVAC unit got stolen.
1: And this was a, there's a firefighter buddy of yours buying out of state as well.
2: Right. Firefighter yeah. buddy out of state buying. And, and it's a like, he's a great friend of mine and I would never say anything bad. I just, I, I, uh, I was able to look at it from multiple angles and he wanted out of it. He was going to sell it regardless. So, um, basically i just went over and i took over his tenant and i that became my property so, and then you, um and he was able to get out and get do what he wanted to do which so everyone was happy it was a good but process.
1: you you use your financing right you didn't sub to his stuff
2: correct i did use my own fa- financing um that property's been going great i just literally turned the switch over and i kept his tenant that has a two-year lease on him, so uh, for two years i'm you know gonna have that tenant hopefully
1: And you bought it. So you bought it at his purchase price, which the purchase price was about two years old, right? Yeah. And we, we you walked into some two years of appreciation with that purchase price.
2: Right. And yeah, so I walked into some equity, which was great for me. Uh, He got to walk away without having to uh, evict the tenant and he didn't have to pay a realtor, all the fees. So it was a, it was a win-win for sure for both, but I mean, I literally walked into a decent amount of equity with a tenant paying for two years with a very reputable turnkey company. Uh, I'm sorry, a property management company. Nice. Uh, that I had already vetted, so I was like, that was a no brainer. I was, I was pretty happy. Yeah. So, so then the next one, um, I got a little, started to deplete my my uh, my funds to go buy some more properties, and so this is where building your team and having you as my partner came in and it just really opened up my eyes to the point where everyone says, I can't find deals right now. There's nothing to be done in real estate. There's so much to do in real estate. You just have to learn and open your eyes to it. So this one, I was able to raise private money, take that private money and get your team to come in on a, uh, a a place that need a lot of rehab. Um, You guys are doing all the construction and we're going to get a tenant in place in the meantime i'm paying a very nice interest rate monthly to my investor um my lender and it's collateralized by the house so at the end of the day if something goes wrong they get to take the house there's no other place on the planet that you can have those two things right i mean it and, then, my mind.
1: and then that's why i love how in rise up how we did we really dove into the creative deals because no matter who you are, like if you're making a million dollars a year, you're still hypothetically going to run out of cash for conventional deals, conventional conventional turnkeys where you leave 20% down. But if you, because truly to be, I think to build wealth, you have to become an expert at how to how and when to use other people's money. So now it's been a ton of fun with the mastermind, teaching people how to raise private money, which is the best financing out there, showing them how to do the burrs and then uh watching people because if you're going to do conventional turnkeys how long would you be waiting for the your next deal yeah i
2: mean you have to raise the capital to do it on your own and that gets back to the old analogy of you're going to go give your own time which is precious a way for to get money to, to later go buy the property so it's just it's gonna eventually like you said no matter how much you have you're gonna run out yep and another compliment to you is like is there, you, you see all these gurus on online hey come join my course on how to wholesale and flip and like that is that is like a five year course on how to do it but you, you guys have put together this like amazing outside the box package of of really I mean I'm learning how to do this stuff through you but like you're you're kind of you're partnering with us and enabling us to do it so it's like it makes the process so much easier and the learning curve easier and the fact that you've done this so many times like gives me such I sleep at night really well.
1: Well, here, (laughs) yeah, I looked around, right? And I I look at like, hey, what do I want to do if I want to start in real estate? And, you know, part of it, I have an interesting perspective of because being a facilitator at CG Select, which is a group of 100, uh, essentially wholesalers starting out trying to build their business, but it got crystallized in my mind. Like, you as a firefighting captain, you have a cash machine, right? You have a a great job where you get to spend time with your kids. You get, you love the guys at the, at the firehouse. Like, and I hate how the entire real estate education industry is trying to convince people that they need to quit their job. Like it's asinine. And so once I was able to get crystal clear in my mind of the audience that we are going to serve are people with cash machines who want to grow their wealth through real estate, but I can't stand it when a wholesaling educator is trying to tell someone with a cash machine to leave the cash machine or that they should leave the cash machine. And that it just, and then I do, you agree, like it's when people are getting started, there's a, a void in the education space because it's really trying to teach everybody to become wholesalers or flippers. Yeah, yeah. and
2: recently a lot of the the younger firefighters i talked to, they're like, man, I just want to be able to get out of this in- industry. And there was, I listened, I forget the podcast I listened to, but I love the way they, they frame this. They're like, we should rename the W-2 as the Down Payment Generator. Like that should be yes. it should be called <laughs> instead of a W two, it should be called down payment generator.
1: And the bankability generator. Yes.
2: And and so it's been kind of a blessing for me because um in my career, there's you get burnout and stuff. There's a lot of stuff we have to deal with. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I finally had this like epiphany moment where I was like. The LA County fire department for me is the golden goose. It's the golden goose. I am blessed beyond. I can't even like, it's given me such a new perspective. Like I go to work every day, super happy to be there. I want to work hard, train with people. I want to give the community my best, but I am like, I'm like skipping around work, knowing what that work provides for me on the flip side. And so without that, well,
1: just talking to you, you there for a lot more than a paycheck. Like yeah. you get the camaraderie, you get the right. teamwork, which, you know, no one likes to work in a vacuum and uh, working with, with on a team that you love being on. Like you can't put a price tag on that.
2: Yeah, it is. It's so much fun. And now that I've had that new perspective mentally, you know, another good thing that joining this mastermind has done for me is, is it's really, really worked on my mindset. Um, and that is such a big part of this too. Like, you know, I've, I'm probably in better shape than I've been in I've back to my high school weight. I read a bunch of books i i wake up before the the world spins to go do stuff i you know like i've just i've become a better a better version of myself because of i've i'm around good people and um you know so i'm grateful for that for the
1: community big time for that but um, i have found that if you improve in any aspect of your life it should it will generally bleed over yeah you know like if you about- if you get better at working out, generally you have more energy, which makes you better at work. You get better at work. It gives you more energy, which gives you more energy to work out. And now you have the capacity to be better with your family and to give more to everybody around you.
2: Yeah, 2023, I I will remember for the rest of my life as being one of the the the, the changing years of myself. And um, that's why like I, I wake up every day. I can't wait to – like the Thursday meetings with all of you guys, I'm like – the night before, I'm like, man, Santa's coming tomorrow. Santa's going to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited. And then it ends and I'm like, I can't wait to discuss more. And like, I'm just eager for the knowledge and eager to like give back. And so I'm kind of on a personal mission too, to, to help these younger firemen and to help the, a lot of my friends and family. And, you know, obviously if they ask for the help, I'll, I'll give it, but I want to be able to, to kind of like, I, I want to be able to give a little bit of what I've learned to them. Cause I just, find it so interesting and so important
1: but well, so speaking of getting up every day and whatnot so inside the community you have one of the most detailed and uh i would call inspiring uh major definite aims uh can you kind of go into the major definite aim and kind of how it serves you maybe daily or weekly or monthly
2: yeah so the major definite aim is something it's almost like a future letter to yourself right and and uh the one th- thing back to to my mom and dad and you know especially my dad as a teacher one thing he taught me uh because i would come home and he's like hey did you do your homework?" i i i've always been kind of a, a goody two-shoe good student but i believe that when someone assigns you a project you need to do it it's kind of like if you join a gym at the january one and you don't work out you're not gonna get fit right so right you take that action and do the stuff and so one of the things within our community that uh was pretty important was doing the major definite aim and um and basically it's a a letter to yourself um from the future to be able to motivate you and to um and to to read and i so i read it every morning it's right here it's just i have it it laminated so um and it's called uh win the moment win the day and this is a personal thing for myself so i won't read it but it's uh something that i when times get part, or I think that there's a struggle coming, I'll read it. And it is, and it gives me that motivation. And, and it has a lot of the whys in it back to the why we're doing these things, you know, your family, your friends, but it, um, you know, I think that's super important. And, uh, the other thing that I've learned from this group is to set targets, set goals, 90 day targets. Uh, one of my best friends, Matt, who I love like a brother, he's a fire captain for Long Beach. He's my accountability partner. We kind of use it. Don't tell the wives, but we use it as our excuse to get together for lunch every every once in a while. But we help we held each other accountable. And when it's on paper, it feels good to cross out. It feels yeah. good to you know.
1: Well, I, I personally think once it's on paper, then your brain can't help but go to work to figuring out what's the next step. And so, like my version of the MDA, I don't. I'm not going to say I look at it daily, but at least four times a month, I I take a pen and I circle it. And then I can say, hey, am I on track or off track here? And then my brain while it's riding that circle is being like, oh, it's off track. Here's a solution. Here's the next way to kickstart it. But if I just have a bunch of nebulous wishes that I think about either when I'm only up or only down, like you'll never act towards making that happen.
2: Yeah, and I remember one of the, well, it's funny, my dog just ate this letter, but at the cash flow fly-in in Utah a year and a half ago. Um, we had to write a letter of the goals for ourselves. And like literally, I almost cried when I read it to myself this year in Utah because I was just looking at it going, I can't believe I accomplished all that. And it was because throughout the year, I had that in my mind. I don't want to show up, read this letter, and be disappointed in Brian that he didn't accomplish it. And literally, my dog ate it two days ago. My wife's like, what's this letter? And she, it was halfway gone. And I'm like, I don't need that anymore. I'm done with all that stuff. But. Right. No, it was a good feeling. So I, I, I highly encourage people to set those targets, set those things. But one other thing, it's not just for times when they, when you're moving forward fast, sometimes it's good to read it and go, Hey, I need to slow down and, and like regroup and be around those people and friends and family, because that's the why. So it, it, it's a two part thing for me. It speeds right. me up when I need it, and it slows me down when I need it. Well,
1: then I think, so there's also the, I think it helps you get through an abyss. I think it's a North star. It reminds you why you're trudging through it. And then also it helps you stay out of the gap because I like to check it once a quarter to see how far we've come so that you're measuring backwards to see your progress. And that's very inspiring as to always being in the gap, being like, Hey, I haven't achieved this yet.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I agree. So, Yeah. I mean, I just, I can give a, if I can give a couple takeaways from like our conversation real quick. Yeah. uh, Unless, unless you have anything else, I can just kind of go through a couple of really important things. I think that everyone should, should take away from our meeting today. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, I would say take action, take action. You're going to have problems, get over it, put away your poopy pants, as Jimmy says. (laughs) Um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, there's people around you that could help you through these times. I, I would be happy to be one of those people. But uh, that's a huge thing. Take action. Number two, educate yourself. Uh, without that education, you're just going to make rash decisions. And at the end of the day, you're not, uh, you're not, you're, you're speculating again because you're not making education uh, a big part of that. So, uh, three, and probably the most important, is surround yourself by like minded individuals get a good mentor, the cash flow tactics community and the rise up mastermind that Jimmy's leading is hands down changed my life. And I could say that uh, in, all, in all honesty. So coming from someone who didn't have a lot last year to, to this year, I am walking, breathing proof that this stuff works. So uh, find your team, find your people. Um, and then finally, I would say most, I would say the most important is find your why once you get your why that'll define everything and you'll, and you'll decide if this is something for you. And, um, yeah, I'm so thankful for you, for the community and, you know, to my family for supporting me and I cannot wait for 2024. It's going to be such a fun year. So, uh, yeah, let's,
1: let's go. Brian, the feelings mutual. One last question before I let you go. What is, what is, what's the big hairy audacious goal for 2024? So
2: 2024, I, I've gotten into this private lending stuff where I'm getting uh, I've had a few private lenders work with us. I want to continue that process. So, uh, you know, I'll publicly announce my goal. So it makes it in concrete. And I think that's important, but um, I want to, I want to flip at least two properties and I want to put in, in our portfolio three. So nice. what, that's me personally buying them, burkeying them, whatever. That's three more are going to go to the to the generational wealth, and and two are going to be flips to help kind of raise the capital to do so, and the big goal is to really hit this uh, private lender stuff uh, uh, pretty hard because I think it's not only beneficial to me; I think it's beneficial to those people that are working with us.
1: Awesome, yeah, I think it. Uh, it I love it. It creates a win-win-win. That's how I started in real estate too—is becoming. I was a private lender, so. Uh, well, Brian, you're an awesome guy to work with. You're a true asset to the Rise Up and Cashflow Taxes community. Uh, I love every time we get to interact, do a deal together. And uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Real quick, um, if anyone has any questions for me, like I'm going to kind of go on a limb here, but I'm going to give you guys my, uh, my information. So Brian at Code3Invest.com. Any questions? I love this stuff. Please contact me. Also and what that, about,
1: what about them DMing you on Instagram? Oh, the
2: DM. So a uh, website would be uh, code three invest.com. Um, and that's the number three. And then for Facebook um, it's Waters, and then Instagram, mr. Underscore or underscore mr. Underscore Brian underscore waters. So that's a lot, but just go on my website um, or email me. And uh, yeah, so blessed to have this opportunity, Jimmy. Seriously. Thank you. Um, and I look forward to uh, twenty twenty three and and uh, and growing more with you guys. So thank you,
1: awesome, bro. And then if you guys are interested in anything you heard Ryan talk about, sorry, anything you heard Brian talk about as far as bird keys, flip keys, tired landlord deals, uh, either just DM me on Instagram at Jimmy Freeland. So Brian, uh, great podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less?
1: Well, then join us in our
0: private Facebook
1: group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom learn what's
0: working and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free when you join you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area this training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free and it will fast track your results this is the only place you get access to this exclusive content so be sure to join us in the facebook group now just go to cashflowtactics.com
1: forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Casual Tactics to join.
0: I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.